Hello, this is an episode of H-Hour's Leading Minds series. The Leading Minds series was initially a completely separate podcast that I started as a pilot during the pandemic in 2020. Uh, The first bunch of episodes were all done via online interviews, so via one of the online video interview platforms. And it is a series where I conduct a structured interview with successful leaders from either a military background, a sporting background, a business background, or a combination of all three. After these, uh, the initial pilot episodes have been released, which is what you're going to listen to now, um, I will continue on with the series interviewing new people and carry on under the H-Hour banner. Uh, so sit back, listen in, or stand up, or whatever you're doing, and enjoy this episode of, uh, of H-Hour's Leading Minds. Today's guest is Paul Godonis. Paul is an entrepreneurial executive business lead with a vast experience in the telecoms industry and he is a trustee and volunteer with React Disaster Response and also a former commissioned officer in the British Army. Paul Godonis, good to see you again, mate. You too. You too. Talk to you again. Ali, Ali flag in the background as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go straight into it. Um, over your time in the military, uh, military career, and since you've left in your civilian life, civilian career, say, what's your most memorable leadership position and why? Yeah, I thought thought about this a lot. Uh, it's a lot of, for different reasons. A lot of them have been very mem- memorable. Um, I think, though, probably my first proper leadership position as a troop commander um, in 206 Parachute Signal Squadron because it was that real kind of crucible, if you like. It was a point where you turn up. Now, I've been a soldier, so I knew what um, people's opinions were of officers and whatever else, and I was determined not to make some of those same mistakes as other officers that made jiffing blokes for jobs at the last minute and a lot of those types of things. And... Uh, it became very quick, clear to me quite quite quickly that a lot of those a lot of that stuff's inevitable. It doesn't matter what your intentions are. It's just how you actually manage it at a particular time that it happens, rather than trying to stop it from happening. And then we went, we went, we did uh, some of those the first tours, um, Afghanistan and Iraq, and it was like it was just full on. I remember that what felt like such a long period of time in in two one six. Was such a learning experience from start to finish, good and bad, and there was a lot of bad there as well. Um, that it, it stuck with me for a long time, uh, and still today, I think back to some of the leaders that I had again, both good and bad, and some of the people that I worked with, and the style you had to adopt where you've got much more experienced people that on paper work for you, but you've got to draw on that experience from them. You've got to really suck all that information in and process it and understand when you need to kind of jump in and in a a situation when you don't, you need to enable things to to play out as they are. And that stuck with me then throughout my my career, all the way through to being president of a business unit of 80 people, with $130 million of revenue, um, always knowing that actually even as a leader, sucking out that information out of those people that have got the experience and the the training to be able to direct you in the right direction, not trying to just do it all yourself all the time. So probably that that, that first one in two on six was the most memorable. Was um was 
when you in terms of your the relationship with the people you were with sorry with your peers as an when you were an officer was the fact that you'd um had served as a, as a ranker was that a hindrance or a help in, in, in on the personal relationships with your peers uh it, i think it was, it was definitely a help for sure um it was definitely a help because i mean just you know, a lot of things i knew i knew a lot of the kind of you know the blags and i knew a lot of the um the yeah, a lot of the, the sort of standard practices and I knew when people were generally trying to pull the wool over my eyes. Um, and, you know, it's kind of, again, that's a good, good and a bad thing. Sometimes you let those things slide by because actually quite often it's, it's just it's just funny and it's good for the team or whatever. But, you know, the times you know when you can stamp on it. But, yeah, definitely, it definitely helped me. It helped me a lot. Um, and, again, that's not to say, though, that uh, it it didn't, it wasn't always a positive thing. Sometimes it was a negative. Sometimes you'd come across people that you met before um, that you'd worked with as peers and they didn't quite get that balance right. Um, and that sometimes could cause issues on a, in a workspace, obviously outside of the workspace, it was never an issue, but sometimes there's a, a way to play the game and, and not. Mm-hmm. So over, over, all, over your time then as uh, an, an adulting and leading <laughs> what 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 did you get wrong? What sticks you in mind as, as something that you got wrong, and how did yeah. you overcome it? Again, lo- loads of op- loads of examples of that. But there was, there was one theme that stuck with me, and some of the things that I regret the most not re- not necessarily regret, but some of the things that I I, sh- I would have done differently is always about culture um, and where whether it's again people that I've worked for or people in my team or my peers that. Um, something hasn't sat right with me and I've thought, you know what, culturally this is not good for the team, it's not good for the direction of the business, but they're, do- they're doing a good job, they're selling for example there's always a good one, the salesman is doing, a, uh, is doing a good job, hitting their numbers, smashing out of the park, but the way they do it isn't always very positive um, or a boss who is taking things in the right direction and leading the business to growth but not necessarily doing it in the right way again kind of damaging the culture i've always there's always been times where i can i can recollect thinking this is wrong and i should do something about it and then not and letting it kind of slide for a bit thinking no actually you know the business doing good for the business let it slide for a bit and it's always got to the point where that first instinct that it was wrong and certain has to be done has always been right and i've always had to do something down the line they've always had to leave or i've had to raise the issue or whatever else and so in it, but by that by that point in some cases it's potentially impacted other people in the team it's had a longer term impact on the culture or the morale of a group and it's in and, and so really it, it it's something i've learned from that is that it doesn't matter how good someone is at their function in their particular role whether they're an engineer a salesperson a marketer a finance person whatever else if the way in which they do it does not support the culture of the organization the behaviors and all of those things it's not worth it yeah that's, i that's, think that's definitely the, yeah it's an interesting interesting point certainly the i think part of the probably or maybe part of the the reluctance to sort of deal with an issue straight away in that regard in that situation you're talking about it's really it's it's very easy, easy to see and acknowledge short-term accomplishments the salesperson hit the numbers sell 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 it's really difficult to then turn around and try and say to them that's great but it's also wrong 
because you're trying to explain a longer term, a longer term sort of softer thing, especially around culture and growing mm. that. It's harder. It's hard to communicate the 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 importance of the, of the need for them to change the way they're doing it, but still hit their targets, but in a different way they're not comfortable to, in order yeah. to the long term goal and for everyone's benefit, not just there to to, to achieve the aim. Very difficult to do. Um, and a culture and a, a culture is probably um, harvesting the right culture is probably the probably the mo- one of the most longer terms, most difficult things you can do or, or attempt even. But you could destroy it so quickly and so easily. It's like you build it and you build it and you build it. And it takes a long time to get it in place. But bang, one decision that is counter to that from the guy from the from the from the guy or girl at the top. It's, you know, it's it's difficult to then. Um, to then get it back on track, yeah, it's not impossible. Obviously, you can do it, but it does have it does have an impact. Mm-hmm. If if you were gonna if you were gonna choose to be working with a, a team which which is a weak team but had a strong leader, or it was a strong team with a weak leader, which would you which would you choose? Um, I. Oh, I don't know. It's a difficult question. I think the the I think I think that people can be developed, right? And so I think that if if there's a, a strong leader, is obviously always good. Okay, working for someone that is a good leader um, is always a is always a positive thing and can definitely bring the team up. But leadership isn't about the leader necessarily. It's about that whole team. So leadership can be from the individual contributor all the way through to um, you know, the single salesperson or person that does installations on uh, a mine site or whatever it may be, not necessarily the leader. So I think actually working with a strong team with a, with a, um, with a negative leader would be my preference as long as, you can, as long as you can influence and develop that leader. If that leader themselves isn't open to, to developing then I probably wouldn't have joined that team in the first place. Or if I inherited it, I'd be looking for somewhere else to go, if you know what I mean. So it's a, t- it's a tough question, that. I, I think that... I think I would always rather be part of a strong team. Um, but as a leader, I, don't, I, would, I wouldn't mind developing a, a weaker team, potentially, because I think that can be done. Yeah, there's a, the, the answer to this question is a mix across the board, 50-50, what people answer. But... but uh... I agree with you on that point of the development of the team. It's, I mean, it should be one of your, just because slightly, slightly off piece for the question, but it should always be one of your aspirations as a leader, I think, is to, whatever you inherit as a team or a department or whatever, is to look to where you can take them. And mm. you get, you get, well, there's a quote, I can't remember. I'm not even going to paraphrase it. I can't remember the quote, but it's something along the lines of, a leadership quality or whatever it should be not to be afraid of having people in your team that are better than that are better than you you should aspire for that oh definitely and and there is recruit people that are weak you uh you broke you broke right you broke right up there you broke right up can you hear me Probably. Yeah, me. I lost. Yeah, I lost you at. Uh, I lost you as soon as you started talking. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What are you saying? No, I, I think that. Um, I think that you see a lot of people who um, are scared of recruiting people that are potentially have more experience than them, or um, are you know it, it, are flying up that ladder faster than they are potentially. 
But I, I, I definitely think you're right. If you, you develop you as a leader, then that's going to only take you in the right direction. I have been successful because of the strength of my team, not because of any particular excellence in myself. Um, and, and, and that is where I think the, the key for the leader is just to bring that team together and get the most out of them rather than trying to be the best person at the top at all times. It's, it's unachievable. I mean, you know, it's like you met the, the people in the in the team that we used to be. I used to be a part of with you. There were incredible engineers there. I would never know as much about engineering. Incredible marketing people. I'd never know as much about marketing as any of them. But it was my team, and and so and and in that in that aspect, it it definitely developed me. I learned more about engineering and marketing and sales and all of those things, finance and project management and whatever else from other people in the team rather than being the best at it already that's not the job of the leader yeah yeah um what aspect of your personal life has the most negative impact on 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 what on what you do professionally or what you want to do professionally and how do you how do you manage it and how do you meet your family's expectations of you yeah i think personally um and i don't know where this comes from i don't know if it's a the fact that I've quite often started quite near the bottom. I joined, I left school without many qualifications. Um, I joined the army as a, you know, as a soldier, I, you know, commissioned later. Maybe I'd always had a little bit of imposter syndrome. Um, and personally, that's something that I, I've definitely struggled with. And I've done a lot of public speaking. But even now, when, I'm, when, I, when I go to do public speaking, I have, that, I have nerves. I'm nervous. And and have like ways of controlling it, breathing exercises or whatever else. But you go onto a stage of you know four five hundred people, and I'm like, oh my word, I'm thinking that you're just going to screw it up, and I haven't. I've never screwed it up, but it's still there in the back of your mind. And so I think personally, that's one of the biggest things I struggle with. Um, and and actually, you know, it it can be it can be quite negative, and it can put you in a bit of a, a dark space sometimes that if you let it get too much, if you question yourself too much in a lot of those situations and that can have a negative impact at home. Um, and you know, I think that in terms of expectations from them, I'm very lucky. And my wife, Emily, is very supportive. My kids are great. They're, they're, you know, they're good kids. But sometimes you come home and you're perhaps a little bit snappy and, or you're a bit short tempered and you know that it's wrong but you're still thinking about things that are going on in, in work. And it's sometimes hard to be present in that particular moment. And, and that's, that's something that I definitely uh, need to be conscious of because I, I definitely can get sucked deep into the work sometimes and put that before other things, thinking that it's doing the right thing for my family when actually it's not. Um, so, yeah, I think that's probably the biggest personal impact. Yeah, that's interesting. One, I, it's you know, it's something that I, I, I learn, I've become more aware of, or more conscious of. There is that switch, switching off from work to personal life, and the importance of it. And and it actually, it was from you, were one of the people who sort of impressed on me in that first year when I was with uh, in Massa, um, and the, the importance of switching off because for for that one for that reason is. The way you, you the way you're communicating with your family and your loved ones, you know, you don't want to impact that. But two, man, it recharge it recharges your batteries to go back. And I, I I just find that if I deliberately take a step away for an hour, you know, a flipping two hours, even during the working day, right? 
half an hour away, come away from it and, and step back into it. So work phone goes off, you know, that's it, done. 30 minutes later, I come back. I'm going at 10 times the speed and productivity I was 30 minutes before. Very, very yeah. strange. Very strange. But it's hard to it's hard to show people that. You show people the benefit in and stop stop what you're doing and come back to it. You know? Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's interesting to see where where all that new normal is like, and you know the whole working from home piece at the moment. Um, I, I I've been volunteering with um, React, formerly Team Rubicon, um, for ten weeks now, and uh, working as a liaison officer. And most of that's been working from home, the odd trip to go and meet up with volunteers on a task or whatever else. And uh, I've absolutely loved it. I've loved I've loved working at home, and when you start to establish the ways of working at home so that you can get that quiet time or you can get space it, I've, I've been no less productive than I, than I would have been in an office in fact in a lot of cases probably, probably I've been significantly more productive um, so yeah it's interesting I'm hoping that that new normal will help people get that balance between family and um, you know you need to again need to manage it in the right way but it's, uh, it'll be interesting to see how things develop post in a post-COVID world yeah, definitely. I've I've found with it that there's there's certain times of the day that are suited to me doing certain things. Mm. So I know if I if I wake up, I get up and I cut and I get on get on the laptop and I've not if I know I need to let's say schedule a call where it's like a brainstorming thing or needs to be creative, I won't I won't I will do try and do that for as late in the day as I can. I'll try and schedule mm. it as late in the day because I know in the morning my brain just isn't firing creativity creativity creativity. <laughs> creatively <laughs> what time is it is it the morning it's, it's not fine creatively creatively <laughs> yeah <laughs> but in the morning what i am good at is organization so yeah you know just 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 generally around that you know going through stuff that logical thought process and i sort of I, I i knew from before from reading things a few years ago that the brain is more creative at night and more logical thinking in the morning which was where the phrase mm. sleep on it comes from basically but it's only until this situation when everyone's been forced to work from home, and I am repeatedly working from home, it's sort of it's shown itself properly to me. Like, okay, I see. And, it's, and, um, mm. and so and because of that, I'm quite happy to defer some stuff that needs doing to, to like late in the evening, like after working hours, because I, I know I'm better at doing it then, but then I'll just I'll take the hour it's going to take, then I'll, t- I'll give myself an extended lunch break or whatever, because I'm not going to work in the evening. Or the other one is, if my brain's in the mood to do something, do it there and then. If I get up yeah. at 6.30 in the morning and I'm thinking about an email, well, I'll do it now. I'll just get on it and do it now because it's very, very rare that you get your brain, your brain gets into a position where it actually wants to do the work it needs to do. <laughs> <laughs> you should try, um, uh, there's a really good app called uh, brain.fm and uh, okay. it, it plays, um, it plays like relax. You know, one for meditation one for light work for deep work and creativity and you know, all this sort of stuff and uh working from home i found that really useful especially with the kids at home so you plug that in with some noise cancelling uh, earphones and, it, and the way it plays the music stimulates your brain like in a stereo way left ear right ear left ear right ear left ear right ear and it, it means you can really concentrate so it does things like rain or wind or trees or music or whatever but i found that really good for that concentration so that point of um am i going to go and start searching on facebook or whatever 
um, you know, you listen to this music and it gets you focused and you don't get pulled aside to go and do something different. So I found that quite good. I'm going to go, I'm going to look at that straight after this. <laughs> I do definitely, it. definitely, I will do. What, uh, Paul, what's the most successful, no, what's the most important quality in a successful leader? Um, again, another one I thought, thought a lot about. It's really being open. I think you have to be um, you know, open as an individual. And what I mean by that is you ha- it, it's, it's not just about listening. It's not just about communicating. It's about being open to other ideas. It's about being open to input from others. Um, and you know, I, I think that there have been times that I can remember where um, I've not listened to input or, or, or feedback from other people. And, um, or I've thought I've listened to enough and uh, and then I've gone down a particular track and it's been wrong. Um, and and in all of these in all of these senses, I think just being open to things, talking to people openly about what your thoughts are, what your feelings are about a particular time, um, how you if you you might be tired because of something that's happened and you might not feel on your best form to make a particular decision. Don't feel forced into making it at that particular time, then, but be open about it. Be transparent about what's going on. Um, don't hide those, you know, those, those things. I think that as a leader, if you are, if you're, if you're open in that way and it encourages other people to be open, then you'll get a better understanding of what's going on. You'll get a better understanding of your team. You'll be able to communicate a lot better. So I think that for me, that, that openness is definitely, uh, is definitely one of the biggest things. Yeah, I agree completely. Awesome, mate. Been a, been a pleasure talking to you again, Paul. We'll, um, we need to line up another HR as well. Definitely. Definitely. It, is is there anything you want to mention before we knock it off? Anything you want to plug? Uh, no, I think um, look at React. I mean, that's a React uh, disaster response. Um, it's the, the new, uh, it's the artist formerly known as Team Rubicon UK. Um, and uh, yeah, doing the same thing, but uh, in a um, as our own organisation and not part of a, of a global group, and so um, doing a lot of good things at the moment in that COVID response, uh, and blown away by the commitment of uh, the volunteers that we have in, in the group and some of those people that are out there doing hard ta- some of the hard tasks, body handling drills or whatever it may be, um, in, in mortuaries through to feeding people or working with the homeless and you know, all volunteers doing doing amazing things. So. I'm I'm just looking at the guest list, and so two two of the two other guests on on the Leading Minds series of volunteers. One is Dave Davis, is in this series. Yeah, um, Mike Valance, who I believe is there today. He is. Yeah, what a legend! A pair of legends. Dave and uh, and uh, obviously Richard Sharp came on. So yeah, yeah. there you go. There go. <laughs> four four team Rubicon people. Oh, oh React people in uh, <laughs> in the first series. Awesome, and obviously. <laughs> yourself <laughs> five <laughs> <laughs> good point mate yeah, yeah. stay safe and i will see you soon you too mate take care cheers Mukherjee. that's it thank you for listening to this episode of hr's leading minds uh don't forget to check out the uh, the other h hour podcasts which you may enjoy, you may not, or if you want to wait for the next Leading Minds episode, then keep your ears to the ground. They're out roughly once a month. If you enjoy listening to the podcast, you can also 
if you wish, choose to become a patron of the H-Hour podcast at patreon.com forward slash hkpodcasts. That patreon.com forward slash hkpodcasts. Thank you. Until next time, out.